All right. How's everybody feeling? Everybody feeling good? Everybody feeling fine? Let me see who's in the house today. Who is in the house today? Hallelujah. All right. Uh, we're looking at Matthew chapter 6. This is the, the Lord's Prayer, right? Come on, let's do it together. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, hallelujah, that's good. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, yo, do you want to see the kingdom of God? Do you want to see the kingdom of God come? Because that's what's in the prayer just now, right? Do you want what's happening in heaven to happen on earth? Because in heaven, God reigns. Hallelujah. Do you want what is happening in heaven to happen on earth? If that's you, I got a word for you today. Real simple. Contend for the kingdom. That's my message today. If you want God's kingdom to come and His will to be done, you have got to contend for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Look to your neighbor. Ask them, how do you contend for the kingdom? Well, if you want to know how to contend for the kingdom, you must first, let's define what is the kingdom. Let's define the word kingdom. All right. In a natural kingdom, you normally have a king. Like United Kingdom. You guys have a king, right? Or a queen. She's in charge right now, right? The queen's in charge. Queendom, hallelujah. Uh, or you got the KSA. You guys know what KSA stands for? It's not Korean Students Association. It's the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. All right. You guys know um, Thailand is also a kingdom. All right. Well, these are just some of the natural kingdoms around still today. And if the king you got is a good king and he is ruling over his people properly, then there will be order and justice. And then people who serve and obey the king get to enjoy the benefits and blessings of the king's rule. But not only that, people who do not serve the king, or people who do not even like the king, or people who are in rebellion against the king, they also get to enjoy the benefits and blessings of the king. Just the way it works. Although the king may eventually bring such rebels to justice so that they no longer harm the people, but they get to enjoy the blessings until they're caught. And just as there have been numerous kingdoms in history, God is setting up a kingdom on earth that is very real. 
You might not find it on a geographical map. Oh, but this kingdom's real. This kingdom's powerful. This is the real deal here. The kingdom of God. And with this, within this kingdom, there is also a king. There are also servants and messengers of the king. The king also has an army that he himself trains. Amen. Hallelujah. I got one warrior that's awake today. Praise the Lord. Y'all awake today? Say amen. amen. Y'all awake? Y'all awake? Shout. No, I'm like, no, no, shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. And the king, he loves to send out his army on assignments that he himself elaborately plans out. The kingdom has people of all ages, all sizes, all ethnicities. The kingdom has an education system that is not of this world. Its values are completely different. And there are blessings that are enjoyed by all wherever the people and values of this kingdom gain influence. And although history has seen kingdoms rise and fall, this kingdom is a kingdom that will know no end. That's because this kingdom is ruled by the king of kings. Hallelujah. Simply put, the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. That's what the kingdom means. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Because when you go to heaven, you know who is in charge. Jesus rules and reigns in heaven. But here on earth, different story. So as we expand the borders of this kingdom, you're expanding the rule and reign of Christ. Do you have family members that do not know the rule and reign of Christ? Do you know churches that do not know the rule and reign of Christ? Uh Uh-huh. Do you know nations that do not know the rule and reign of Christ? Well, all those places, the kingdom of God has got to go. We need to advance the kingdom in those places. Hallelujah. There is no place that is too difficult for the kingdom to penetrate. Hallelujah. You look at a place like Iran. You might think, man, how is the kingdom of God ever going to advance in that nation? And you look at a book like Iran 30, and you know God's already working there. Maybe 15 years ago, you would have said that about Iraq. Man, we're never going to send a missions team to Iraq. Man, we'll never see the kingdom come in Iraq. Man, it's a totally different story. There are openings there. All right, God is expanding his kingdom. Even in a country like Haiti, it's completely mixed. Their version of religion is Catholicism mixed in with voodoo. And there are... And there are Old ancestral African occultism. They just mix it all in. And yet in that idolatrous place, God will expand his kingdom even at this hour. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ. And when we contend for the kingdom, we are contending for the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. 
everywhere on this earth. You know, like I mentioned earlier, three months ago we had the pastor of Onuri's English ministry, Pastor Eddie and Hyun Samarim, they had a daughter. Well, born two, two months premature, and on top of this, this daughter was the surviving daughter of a twin. The first twin had already passed away, so, you know, twins are a little bit smaller. Hallelujah. They don't grow up to be, they don't remain small, as we can see with our brother Brian. Hallelujah. Any other twins in here? Any other twins? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, twins right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Different hairstyles. It's telling them apart. Um, but she was a twin and she was born premature and um, it, it looked really it looked really hopeless it looked really dismal and so Pastor Eddie started to ask for, for prayer and so he got, he got all the English ministries here to pray people in Australia to pray people back in the States to, everyone's praying and we kept on praying and we didn't pray just that she'll survive we pray that she'll be completely whole and when she grows up she'll have no brain damage she would have nothing, no trace. Uh, she would be completely restored. And we're praying that way. And then if you were there at Friday Fire, you know all the crazy drama that happened. Uh, if you don't know, uh, just ask someone that was at Friday Fire. I'm not going to go over that right now. We'll make a long story short. Friday night, I left Friday Fire. And I felt led of the Lord to go to the hospital. And uh, suddenly, things were looking very, very, very bad for Emma. And, uh, you know, I had a dream that morning. Uh, and I was holding Emma in the hospital. So I just, I just, I just took that dream. Cause, you know, she was in the, in the, in the dream, I was holding her as a baby. And then she was, next thing I know, she was six years old. And so I just took that dream to mean that God, it was God's way of leading me to go and pray for her. So I went. I just stepped out and went. I asked everybody at Friday Fire to pray. And uh, I went and, and Pastor Eddie, you know, uh, initially he wasn't going to let anyone in. Um, but uh, as I kind of prayed for favor, you know, Pastor Eddie came out and he asked me to come, come in. And uh, we ended up praying for like a good 30, 40 minutes over her. And I got to lay hands on her and everything. And then uh, five hours later, uh, Emma passed away. So there are a lot of people that have invested their heart, their compassion, their prayers to see Emma, to see her make it. Not just make it, to see her grow up and fulfill whatever purpose and assignment that she had on her life. But Friday night, Saturday morning, we lost her. And what we did for Emma these past few months okay, is we were contending for the kingdom. And I just need y'all to understand this. Because if you have the wrong perspective of what took place, the devil will have a field day with your faith. This will not be the year of epic faith for you. This will be the year of epic fail. Your faith would be destroyed 
after something as heartbreaking, as devastating as this. Okay. We need to have the right perspective. And as far as we, I'm concerned, what we did for Emma, we were simply contending for the kingdom. You see, in heaven, there are no premature babies. There are no underdeveloped organs and collapsed lungs. And when we were praying, we were fighting to see God's kingdom come and His will be done on Emma's body as it is in heaven. That's what we were doing. And the fact that she passed away on Saturday morning does not mean that the fight was not worth it. If you have a faithless view, a practical, pragmatic view, that's what you will conclude. The fact that she passed away does not mean that the fight was not worth it. You see, when we fight and we contend for the kingdom, we release faith. And the Bible says... Faith pleases God. So whether we got what we aimed for or not, it is always worth it to please God. Amen? Amen. Pleasing God is a good thing. But the question may still be on your heart, why didn't Emma get healed? If it is God's will for babies like Emma to get healed, why didn't she get healed? Were we just off about God's desire and will? Why didn't she get healed? And you know what, man, I don't know. I don't know. But let me tell you something. The faith that you use to contend for her healing is the faith that you must now use to affirm that God is still good despite her loss. Look, if this is going to be the year of epic faith, then we need to rise up as a people of faith. A people of faith contend for the kingdom. No matter what. People of faith contend for the kingdom. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom. Hallelujah. And he told us to pray. Your kingdom come and your will be done. He didn't say figure out. Figure out every place where you pray for something. It doesn't happen. He just said you simply pray that way. And when you seek, you seek The kingdom first. We must contend for the kingdom, brothers and sisters. It is our calling and our identity. A people of faith contending for the kingdom does not come up with doctrines to explain away the mystery of why God did not heal. Amen. Neither do we step back and become afraid to put ourselves in a position of such great vulnerability again. A 
a people of faith deals with the disappointment and heartbreak. Just like King David did for the son that he lost with Bathsheba. And then we mourn. And then we go to the house of God. And then we worship the Lord for his goodness. A people of faith confesses Deuteronomy 29, 29 that the secret things belong to the Lord. And declares with Job 1, 21. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That takes faith to say that. A people of faith steps out to believe for full healing. No matter how many heartbreaks they endure. They do not act in fear that they will be heartbroken again. But they act in faith that they will see the kingdom come. So that's what the people of faith do. Let this message go in deep. I don't care if you didn't know who Emma was. I don't care if you didn't pray a single prayer for Emma. Let this message go in deep. Because this message is for a time. You need to deposit this message in your spirit. Because you're going to need to access it later when you need it. So brothers and sisters. Don't just pray for the sick a few times. And then conclude that. God only hear, heals on rare occasions or that God just doesn't want to manifest his healing power through you in particular. All right, don't do that. Contend for the kingdom. You know, every, every week, either at Sunday swim or Sunday service, I give you an opportunity to pray for the sick, pray for people who have pain and whatnot. You step out there and you pray. And you pray. And people are praying out loud and everyone's doing it. So, you know, it's, it's a natural environment to do it. What if, like, nobody was praying out loud? It was silent, right? It would be pretty hard for you to kind of, like, step out and pray. But, you know, everyone's doing it. So, you know, it's just a natural thing. Everyone, let's pray for the sick. We do it. And maybe every week you have not seen anything. Because there are only a couple of people in here that have actually seen, you know, a bona fide confirmed healing. Like, who was, healing, who was praying for Daisy when she got healed of her knee? Right, it's Diana Suck, right? Man, Diana Suck's faith is rolling, man. She's, she's excited. Hallelujah. She's ready to pray for more sick people, man. She go to India. I mean, she go to, wait, you're going to India, right? You go to India, man. She's going to pray for all the sick. But you know what? Even if you have prayed so many times and you haven't seen it, keep doing it. Contend for the kingdom. Do not conclude God does not heal or God just does this now and then. You believe that God does this and it's God's will to do this and you are praying God's kingdom come through you. You know, when Jesus went into a town, he didn't heal one third of the people and tell the other two thirds, hey, God only heals on occasions, all right? And you just didn't make it today. Not doesn't do that. Okay. Most towns he went into, he healed them all. Amen? Amen. All? Amen. And Jesus had the anointing. He had the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He, 
He had the Holy Spirit without measure. It was just the anointing was just flowing through him. But we, that same anointing that was on him is on us. Now we get a measure of that. And I think there's things that we can do to grow that measure and increase in authority and anointing to see miracles. But just because you're in the process on your way there where you will see more frequency, where you will see majority of the people you pray for get healed, before you get there in the process, guess what's going to happen? You ain't going to see much healing. But you will never get here unless you keep contending to get here. If you lay hands on a few people and they don't get the baptism of the Spirit, you say fire, 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 fire 20 times. And the person is like, stop spitting on me. (laughs) Don't let that discourage you. Contend for the kingdom. Most of the times while nothing is happening, usually the problem never lies with God. It's usually something with us. And you might be like, well, why isn't it happening? I want it to happen now. And you're all impatient, right? You don't know how the kingdom really works. So you just want it now. No, no, come on now. And, you know, you know, and, and, and God knows why. There's, you know, there's all kinds of different faith issues. There's all kinds of character issues, different, different, you know, you know, all these renewal of the mind that needs to happen. But, you know, God's not going to be like, hey, man, this is 50 reasons why the kingdom is not really coming through your hands yet. God doesn't do that, right? He's just silent. And it's patient. That through time you're figuring things out. As you obey the Holy Spirit, it's self-correcting. You mature, you change. You get to a place of great authority and anointing. To see things like cancer being healed. To see like what Heidi Baker sees. You know, for a whole year she said that she prayed for blind people. Wherever she went in Mozambique, whenever she found a blind person, she'll pray for them. For a whole year, she ain't seen nothing. And then one day, she prayed. She kept contending for the kingdom. And one day, one blind person got healed. And after that, she prayed for every single blind person, and they got healed. She just saw like a frequency of it just come out of nowhere. I've got to contend for the kingdom. The things of the kingdom do not come overnight. You got to contend. Turn to your neighbor, tell him that. Contend for the kingdom. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Hey, everybody, check it out. That's James right there. <laughs> Uh, I already mentioned you earlier, brother. Don't don't try to hide. <laughs> we already know who you are. No, I'm playing, I'm playing. We just, we, it's just freedom in the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, we look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Some of you may be wondering, man, contending for the kingdom is hard. Man, I try, I try, I try, and I don't see much results yet. All right. And let me explain to you why contending for the kingdom is very hard. Look at this. Check, the, check, check it out. Look at verse 7. I'm reading from the ESV. Now war arose in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. Just in case you don't know who the dragon is, there it is. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to where? To the earth. He was thrown down to where? Los Angeles? Well, yeah, kind of. It's inclusive of that. But that's not my point. He was thrown down to the earth. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. That was a bad point. And his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, the salvation and the power... And the, somebody say it with me, kingdom of our God. All right, that's enough. And the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And check this out. This is not talking about the devil just being completely, utterly defeated yet. Look, verse 11. And they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Hallelujah. This passage from Revelation gives us a revelation of what took place and what is happening right now. We are in a war. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're in a time of peace. Okay? That's the eyes of the natural will say that. But the eyes of faith will see that we are in a war. And this war is very real. The moment you are born again, let me tell you something. Satan paints a bullseye right around you and your life. The moment you become a Christian, Satan declares war on you. And he doesn't even tell you about it. And this passage is showing us contending for the kingdom is not going to be easy. Why? Because there's a war going on. There's a war. And our enemies, man, they've been around a lot longer than we have. Look at verse 17. Look at this. Then the dragon became furious with the woman. And went off to make war on the rest of their offspring, on the rest of her offspring. Okay, in case I wasn't clear, the Bible is making it clear. Satan has made war on you, the church. You might be like, well, I don't know if this woman and her offspring represents the church. Look, just keep reading the verse. Verse 17, keep reading. Went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That sounds like the church to me. The rest of her offspring. I ain't the rest of her offspring. Yeah, you are. You, if you keep to the commandments of God and you hold to the testimony of Jesus, that's talking about you. Satan has declared war on you. The word of God tells us that Satan is making war on the church. And he's angry. 
He's very angry. And he is on the earth to make war on the saints. And he's fighting hard because he knows his time is short. Now, people of faith, they look at this passage and they are convicted that this terrible enemy is real and that this war is absolute reality. And they also understand that in war, there will be losses. There may be setbacks. War is ugly. War is costly. But a people of faith are mighty warriors. They engage in war. Not because we love war, but because we love peace. And sometimes you got to make war in order to get the peace. Hallelujah. When we contend for the kingdom, it's an act of war. That's why it's not an easy thing. That's why you, it requires faith to contend for the kingdom. It is an act of war. And we must understand that the enemy is not going to stand by while we take his belongings. He will defend his territory. And he will try to hurt the subjects of this kingdom. But as we contend, we gain authority and power to cast down all of the enemy's schemes and to destroy the works of the devil wherever it is found. As we contend, authority and power, the anointing, it increases upon God's people. But you must contend. The Word of God says in First uh, John chapter 3, Man, I need a color printer. Well, what happened with this? Chapter, let me look it up, sorry. First John chapter 3, I think it's verse like. Verse 7, verse 8. Look at verse 8. In the middle of verse 8, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Hallelujah. If you read in the book of Acts, the Bible says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. When our king, the king of our kingdom, when our king was on the earth, he destroyed the devil's work and he healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. That's what the word of God tells us. So if you look at the life of our king... The king is showing us how to contend for the kingdom. We must follow in his steps if we are going to properly contend for the kingdom. So check this out. Wherever there is human trafficking, slavery, suicide, murder, poverty, oppression, idolatry, wherever these things are, that is the devil's work. And contending for the kingdom means to go and destroy the work of the devil. This is why it's so important that we get a good grasp of the seven mountain mandate that I preached a few months ago. Without the strategy of the seven mountain mandate, you will not have any clue 
how to advance the kingdom in nations. Let's go over to seven mountains right now. A, B, C, A, B, E, F, G, M, R. Let's do this. Come on. A, arts and entertainment, celebrities, sports. Okay. You might say, man, those football players in the NFL, well, they, don't, they don't influence nobody. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. A lot of young people look up to athletes. Michael Jordan, LeBron, Tiger Woods, or they used to. Sorry, Tiger. <laughs> Man, you can't be in golf and do stuff like that. You could be in basketball and do stuff like that, but you can't be in golf and do stuff like that. It's a dumb move. Man, Tiger, man, I had a lot of respect for that homie, but not no more. Not, not after I heard that phone call. You heard, you heard the voicemail that he made? Man, that boy. Anyway, um, a lot of athletes look up to the arts. All right, let's, let's go with B. What's B? Business. Business. Business people have a lot of influence. Okay? And this could, I think this includes also medicine and, 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 um, and science. Business. You know, business has a lot of influence. And we need to climb the business mountain. We need to have influence in finance world. We need to have influence in entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? Think about the country of Korea. You might be like, well, the government helped to develop Korea in the last 50 years since the war. If you came here 50 years ago, none of these buildings were standing. In fact, they were all demolished by warplanes, tanks. If you look at the 50, uh, today, this is a 50-year anniversary, a 40-year anniversary of Jerusalem Church. But even when they started back in 1970, 70? Am I doing my math right? Yeah, 70. Hallelujah. Man, the, 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 the hillside was just dirt. If you look at the old picture, it's just dirt here. This was the only building on this whole hillside because they were all destroyed and demolished. How did, in 40 years, Korea get to where it is? I'm telling you, man, when I was doing the CCC conference back in 2007, there are all these foreign students from Bangladesh, from Africa, different parts. of the, I know that Africa is not a country. Right? There's different countries in Africa. All right. I, I met students from Mauritius. I didn't even know Mauritius was a country. Right? Mauritius and, and all these African countries, they came. And they, they were like so happy to be in Korea because they saw Korea as a lesson book to turn around their nation. They said, if Korea could change around this quickly, our nation can turn around in just a few decades. You go to some of these countries and there's just poverty. There's just no infrastructure. You get stranded in the middle of the highway without gas, you die. Like when I was in Kazakhstan, I was taking a train, like a 26-hour train, and I was looking in the middle of all the landscape. There was nothing as far as I can see. And I was thinking there was a little road next to the train. If I was traveling on that road and I ran out of gas, I would just die. Because there's no infrastructure. Now, how did Korea get so much infrastructure so quickly? How is the whole country connected by the Internet? Everybody got a cell phone. Everybody, their mama and their little children, little babies, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds here in this country, they got cell phones, text messaging each other. <laughs> now how how did it get here I'll tell you how people on the business mountain as much as you might criticize them for corruption and there is corruption Samsung LG SK name me some other big companies Chips on you. 
What? Teo. Teo? Teo still around? Hyundai. Hyundai. I'm sorry. Hyundai. I'm sorry. Now, these big companies, they have blessed this nation. Okay. You cannot deny that. If it was not for these big companies, the nation would not have raised up its infrastructure, would not have had the funding and the jobs to, to drive this economy. When it comes down to it, business mountain is huge. Raise up the business and entrepreneurship over in India. And I guarantee you, man, India will be a different nation. And it's happening in India. Business mountain. What's, what's the other? E, education. Education, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, if you contend for the kingdom on the education mountain, all right, you will bless nations. Why do you think there is so much human trafficking? Okay. It's not just a business problem that these gangsters have no other jobs, so they end up just kidnapping children and putting them in the sex industry. It's not just a business problem. You know what it is? It's an education problem. When, when um, Matilde spoke here at Friday Fire a few weeks ago, she spoke about how these children... The reason why they go out and look for jobs in the cities and end up getting kidnapped and raped and then end up in the human traffic industry, the reason why is because they have no schools. They can't, even if there are schools, they can't afford to go to the schools. There's no education infrastructure in a lot of these countries. You go to Cambodia, you go to a village, they went to all these villages in Cambodia in the summer. All those little children, they were not educated because there's no education system. Education was huge in blessing Korea. We have a 100% literacy rate in this nation. That's hard to find. Uh, F. Family. Family. God bless the family. M. Media. Right? Media. Uh, did I miss some? Oh, my, I'm, I'm sorry. G. Government. Government. Hallelujah. Man, we, got, we, got, we, got to, we got to get some people in the government. Hallelujah. Glory, what, 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 you, you're, in the, uh, you're doing work for what? National Assembly. Okay. God bless you, Gloria. You climb that government mountain. If you feel that this is your calling, all right, I'll pray for favor so that you, you get to climb that mountain even quicker. All right. But don't give up. Just because you see some corruption in government, oh, I don't want to work in this environment. Don't do that. Light belongs in darkness. If you see all this corruption and evil going on, oh, I'm out, peace, you know. When is the kingdom of God ever going to be contended for? We got to go in there and bring change. You go in there, you don't let the environment change you, you change your environment. And if you got the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you, you, you have the power to actually do that. Government, media, M is media. Anybody in here working on the media mountain? Media ma- 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 Majo? Huh? No, no, she's doing arts. Right. It's more like arts, right? Yeah. Media like 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 newspapers, CNN, Time magazine. Internet, bloggers. Bloggers is, is a big media force right now. And podcasts. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is a media. I mean it's a media mountain. And uh yeah, media media is huge. And then you got R is religion. Right? When you change the religion of a nation, and you will change the destiny of that nation. 
Brothers and sisters, what we need to do is we need to contend for the kingdom on all seven of these mountains. That's when nations are going to get changed around. That's when human trafficking will end. And mind you, I, I am determined to see human trafficking end. In Cambodia, in Thailand, in India. Because I met these children. It angers me that they will get whisked away, tricked away into prostitution and be trapped into it. We as God's people, we must contend for the kingdom. We love our king, amen? amen? And we love his kingdom. And the king is so good and the kingdom is so good that we do not simply seek to defend it. We are seeking to advance it. Hallelujah. But when you advance the kingdom, you will realize that the enemy has a powerful stronghold on the nations of the world. But the more you contend, the more you will realize that God provides you with weapons that can destroy the most powerful of all strongholds. We need not be intimidated by the strongholds of the enemy. He needs to be intimidated by the weapons of God's people. Hallelujah. God is our king, and he is good all the time. Amen? He's good all the time, man. And how do I know that God is good all the time? It's very simple. The word of God tells me so. That might sound a little bit narrow-minded. I don't think it's narrow-mindedness. I think it's just faith. The word of God tells me so, and the word of God is true. Now, we understand that Satan's made war on the church. If we interpret God's character through the fogged lens of our own mind, then it's going to be natural for us to conclude that God is not good, that he is not righteous, especially when we look upon the casualties of the war that we're, we're a part of here. But what we must do is we must interpret God's character not through the lens of our experience, but through the lens of Scripture. The Word of God must always trump our experience. But to put it another way, the Word of God must always triumph over our experience. Experience is subject to change. The character of God is not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Word of God says God is good. Hallelujah. Then God is good care what you're going through you got to declare it you got to hold to it you got to believe that god is good you know during the history of the nation of judah satan planted seeds of idolatry and strategically placed demonic spirits to deceive and lead away the jews and then they got involved with all kinds of occultism and idolatry then god continually sent prophets to judah to repent and to warn them But they didn't hear. They didn't heed the word of God. Eventually, God sent mighty nation to pour out his judgment. And he destroyed Judah. He destroyed Judah. And the survivors, they saw horrible things. They saw prophets and priests being killed in the sanctuary. 
They saw their city completely annihilated and burned down. They saw their leaders killed or exiled. They saw women eating their own babies. Some horrible things that the people of Judah saw. Now, most people will look upon such devastation and allow their experience to tell them about God's character. Let me ask you right now. If you were right now in Haiti and you were a Haitian and you were one of the few Christians in Haiti, if you in your spiritual condition right now, you are in Haiti, surrounded by all the foul smell of the dead bodies, all the lack of support and aid that's coming in so slow. Let me ask you, how would you deal with that? What would you think about God while you were in the middle of that earthquake? As you see the devastation, what would you think about God? If you only look to God's character through the lens of experience, your faith will fail. You know, if you read Matthew 6.33, Jesus actually said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The word righteousness, okay, it's just simply a word that represents the character of God. That God is good. He is righteous. He is just. He is not evil. He is righteous. And Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, seek first his kingdom and relationship with him. Because it's only in relationship with him that you will truly understand his character, his righteousness. It's only when you are in his word that you will understand that he is indeed righteous. Even when the most horrible things are happening around you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell you. When Judah saw all of this devastation, the prophet Jeremiah, in the midst of all this sorrow and mourning and horror, he said in Lamentations 3.21, check out what he did. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah is just simply reciting some of the Psalms here. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Check this out. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. The word of God and his promises must always trump our experience. If you want to contend for the kingdom, you got to learn this truth. Because so many Christians, even spirit-filled Christians, all right, they interpret God's character through the lens of their experience. And we must always be rooted in God's word. God is good all the time. 
And all the time, He is indeed good. You will never contend for the kingdom if that is not rock solid in your faith. Now, half of y'all are not getting this message right now. It's okay. It's all right. Go listen to the podcast. All right, I know I'm not flowing right now. I'm not flowing like I want to. Hallelujah. But I, don't, I just got to like pause because these are like big truths. And I told you this is a message for another time. Contend for the kingdom. And always trust God's character through the lens of Scripture. Now, I'll close with this. How can you contend for the kingdom? How do you contend for the kingdom? Real simple. In order to contend for the kingdom, you need power. You cannot contend for the kingdom of God just using human resources. Oh, no. You will, you will see little to no results. What you need is power. Hallelujah. Power. Somebody say power. power. I got the power. That's an old, oldie, old hip-hop song. How do you get the power? How do you get the power? Real simple. You need the baptism of the Spirit. If you don't know what that means, you need to look at the Scriptures. Matthew three eleven, John the Baptist said, I came not to baptize with water. I came to baptize you with water. But he who comes after me, who sandals I'm not even fit to untie, he will not baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Baptism in the Spirit. If you look at the, um, the nation of Israel, they give us a, uh, God's given us a wonderful picture in the, nation of, the history of the nation of Israel about the baptism of the Spirit. And this is really cool. Bill Johnson like, kind of unpacked this for me. Uh, when the Israelites were trapped, if you don't know your Bible, the Israelites, they were 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And during this slavery, Egypt started to get a little bit panicked because the Israelites were having lots of babies. They were a fruitful people. Having babies left and right, and the Egyptians felt like they were going to get outnumbered. So what did they do? They put them into slavery. And while they were in this slavery, God raised up a gentleman named Moses to deliver his people. And so Moses lived in the wilderness for many, many years. And then God ended up sending him back. He went back to Egypt and said, let my people go. This is the word of the Lord. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, what? Now get out of here. So Moses said, all right, so be it. First plague. Second plague. And water is turning to blood. Flies coming out of nowhere. Hail everywhere except in the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. Nine plagues devastated and destroyed the resources of Egypt. And then there was a tenth plague. In the tenth plague, God said he would go around and he would strike down dead the firstborn son of every family. You might be like, whoa, God doesn't sound very good there. <laughs> All right. Hey. God is very good. 
goodness requires also justice, mind you. Okay. They went around. And if you believe that babies go to heaven, then that's not such a bad thing. That the baby, babies went to heaven. Anyway, uh, so this angel goes around. And the, God told the Israelites a provision for which they would, they would have this judgment pass over them. Okay? And the provision was to take an unblemished lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and then wipe it across the doorposts of your home. So wherever this angel of death went around, whenever he would see the blood of the lamb, he would pass over that house. That's why this holiday became a Passover for the Jews. All right. As you guys all know, Jesus is the Passover lamb. Amen? If you trust in him as your Savior and Lord, if you take his blood and you wipe it across your life, God's wrath will pass over your life. And then the Israelites, after this plague, it devastated Pharaoh. He said, just get out of here. Get out, all of you. And the Israelites, millions of them, they started to flock out of Egypt. And then they got to the Red Sea. Nowhere to go. It's a big sea. It's not like a little river. It's not like a little lake. It's a big old thing. All right, they can't go around it, nothing, right? And then Egypt, Pharaoh got a little angry, sent his army and started to chase the Israelites from the back. And he was determined to kill all of them. Get revenge. He was angry. So what did God do? He split this Red Sea. And the people of Israel walked through this Red Sea. Hallelujah. And people call this the baptism of Moses. And what we see in the splitting of the Red Sea is a symbol of water baptism that we are given to obey today. And some of y'all are like, last week at the membership class, some of you are asking me, well, I got sprinkled as a baby. Isn't that enough? And some of y'all need to see, you need to talk to me afterward. There's actually several of you. We need to talk. I got sprinkled as a baby. And I'm like, I'm like that's, that's not adult baptism. That's not the baptism we find in the Bible. All right, I'm not saying that baptism is worthless. I'm just saying, all right, this is not the baptism I'm talking about. All right, and people disregard baptism like it's not something important, but it is. It's very important. God gave us a symbol for it in the Old Testament, and then God commanded us to obey it in the New. All right, hey, brothers, fellas, are you not glad that you just need to get water baptized rather than the other thing that you used to do? Hallelujah. Unless the doc, medical doctor recommended it, then you got it hopefully as a baby. If you got it later on in life, then, oh, God bless you. I know, I know the pain because I actually went through it hallelujah, later in life. Anyway. <laughs> it was painful. I suffered. Identified with Christ and his sufferings. Anyway. Um, water baptism. That walking through the Red Sea, it represents... Your salvation, just like water baptism represents your salvation. Notice they walked through an ocean, a sea. And the Bible says, what does he do with your iniquities when you trust in Jesus? He throws them into the depths of the sea. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But we're not stopping there. 
Because once they crossed the Red Sea, where were they? They were in the desert. They were in the wilderness. They did not leave Egypt to stay in the wilderness. God told them about the promised land. Amen? And in order to enter the promised land, man, there are, there are steps of obedience that you need to take. And there is a heart of faith that we need to demonstrate if you want to get into the promised land. But man, I'm telling you right now, man, this is a, a message for the church today. There are so many Christians that are doing circles in the wilderness. They're happy that the wrath of God passed over them by the blood of Jesus. And they're exuberant that their sins are hurled into the depths of the sea. And they've been delivered out of, you know, slavery to sin. And they're in the, they, they cross the Red Sea, but they're in the desert, but they're doing circles in the wilderness. Hallelujah. And some of you are still swimming in the ocean. You need to hurry up and get properly baptized. But you're in the wilderness. But guess what? When the time came for Israel to enter into the promised land, do you know what God told them to do? They had to cross another body of water. This time, it was the Jordan River. Somebody know where I'm going with this. The crossing of the Jordan River, brothers and sisters, God is giving us a picture of what we need to do, what we need to get through, what we need to receive. In order for us to get to our promised land, in order for us to advance the kingdom, in order for us to properly contend for the kingdom, you need to go through your Jordan River. You know what the Jordan River symbolizes? The baptism of the Spirit. I'll tell you why. Because at the crossing of the Red Sea, you had an ocean. At the crossing of the Jordan River, you had a river. A river that was rushing. And where Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, John seven thirty eight, come to me and drink. As the scriptures have said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. The reason why much of the church is not contending for the kingdom and why they're doing circles in the wilderness is because they do not have the baptism of the spirit. Neither do they recognize it. But for every person that gets baptized by the spirit. And that, that, by the way, is just the beginning. When you get baptized by the Spirit, that's not it. Oh, my, the whole rest of my life is going to be fine and in order from now. I can contend for the kingdom. No. When you get baptized by the Spirit, you need to get refilled. You need to be led by the Spirit. You can't just be filled and just, and just ignore the Holy Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit. You better be led by the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not just a power from God that just gets poured out onto you. The Holy Spirit is a person with intellect, with volition, with emotion. We must be baptized in the Spirit and then be led by the Spirit in order to contend for the kingdom. If you do not experience this Jordan River experience, hallelujah, you will never be able to fully contend for the kingdom. Hallelujah. And I, I don't know. I just got this revelation right now. But I don't know if uh, the Jordan River that the Israelites cross is the same Jordan River that Jesus got baptized in. 
But for Jesus, when he got baptized in water, he also got baptized simultaneously in the Spirit. Hallelujah. I believe the symbols are there, brothers and sisters. Let me read to you an excerpt from Bill Johnson. While God never contradicts his word, he is very comfortable contradicting our understanding of it. Those who feel safe because of their intellectual grasp of Scripture, they're enjoying a false sense of security. None of us has a full grasp of Scripture, but we do all have the Holy Spirit. He is our common denominator who will always lead us into truth. But to follow Him, we must be willing to follow off the map, to go beyond what we know. To do successfully, we must recognize His presence above all. There is a great difference between the way Jesus did ministry and the way that it is typically done today. He was completely dependent on what the Father was doing and saying. And He illustrated this lifestyle after His Holy Spirit baptism. He followed the Spirit's leading even when it seemed unreasonable, which it often did. Brothers and sisters, we need... We need the baptism of the Spirit in order for us to effectively contend for the kingdom. If you want the rule and reign of Christ to expand on this earth, if you want to make war against the enemy who has power, you need to access greater power. You need the anointing of the Spirit, but the anointing of the Spirit will not flow into your life unless you're first baptized by the Spirit. If you've never been baptized by the Spirit, you need to get baptized by the Spirit. But let me tell you something, you cannot get baptized by the Spirit with a stubborn heart. With a heart that worships the mind as the master. The mind is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. It's because your mind, and some of y'all have a better mind than others, hallelujah. But all y'all minds, you cannot worship your mind. You cannot worship and follow simply your understanding. You got to, it is with the heart that we believe. And sometimes your understanding may not catch up, but God says, go do it. Go follow. Go serve. Go step out. Go on this mission trip. Go, 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 go join the small group. Go, go get this accountability. Go, I don't know. Go, 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 go. Go serve. And you might be like, well, I don't understand. Why? That don't make no sense to me. But if you recognize the presence and you know that's the Lord, then you obey. Because you believe and your faith is in the place of your, of your spirit, man. Of your heart. Hallelujah. I like this. I like this. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. And I'm going to give just a couple altar calls. I like it. I like it. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Isselin, Isselin, come on up. All right. Right now, this is, I'm very, very specific about the altar call right now. We're going to give an opportunity for some people to get prayed for. Uh, let me get some of the leaders up. Prayer team members, old prayer team members, people that go on the church plant that are on the prayer team. All right. Um, I'm going to give an opportunity for y'all. I'm going to give an opportunity for y'all 
to uh, jump into the Jordan River. Some of y'all in here, you've been making circles in your Christian life. You feel like the Israelites in the wilderness, grumbling, complaining. Your life has no power. You hear this message contending for the kingdom, man. It just doesn't make any sense to you because that's not what your life has put priority upon. And I'll tell you right now, you need to get baptized by the Spirit. You need to be filled and baptized by the Spirit. And this is for first-timers. These are for the people that feel like you're still wandering in the wilderness. I'm not talking about the people that have crossed over the Jordan River and you're just kind of wandering around the Promised Land or you're wandering around the outskirts of Jericho. I'm not talking about you. I will pray for you later too. Well, I'm praying right now. I'm, pla- I'm inviting those who never crossed the Jordan River. Those who didn't even know there was a Jordan River. Those don't even know what the baptism of spirit's about. Don't know, they don't know what I'm talking about right now. But all you know is in your spirit there's something jumping and you want it. You've never stepped out in full surrender. If you've never given God your heart in full surrender, you most likely have yet to really be baptized by the Spirit. You might have gotten a supernatural experience, but man, it's the place of full surrender that Jesus modeled for us at the Jordan River. And I'm inviting anybody right now You want to get baptized by the Spirit. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you right now. Don't worry about how the message went. Don't worry about what your neighbors think. It's an altar call for all those who have never experienced the baptism of the Spirit. You've never come before God and given Him your full surrender. If you'd like to receive that, we'd like to give you an opportunity right now to do that before the Lord. Give Him your full surrender. And we'd love to pray for you to get a powerful feeling of the Holy Spirit today. Amen. The altar is open now. You can feel free to come up if that's you. You know, I know, I know those in here who, you know, I know who you are. It's all good. I know you love Jesus. But we're not talking about just becoming a believer here. We're talking about contending for the kingdom. And contending for the kingdom, like I told you, it means it's an act of war. And if you really want to contend for the kingdom, you want to live this lifestyle. You need to get power from on high. Our leaders, start praying as the anointing flow. Not yet, not pray for the people, just pray. Pray for the anointing flow. People who are at the altar, begin to pray and give your heart fully in surrender to Him. No fear, but with all the faith that you have, even if it's a mustard seed of faith, bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my life. Yeah, Lord, come on.
All right, hallelujah. All right, we're going uh, start to start to wrap up the prayer of time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. River is flowing. Holy Spirit, he be flowing. Be flowing through this place to empower his people. He wants us to contend for his kingdom. Every single one of us. He wants his people to contend for his kingdom. And every one of us, we have a good idea of what contending for the kingdom looks like on a mission trip. But you may have no idea what it looks like in education. You may have no idea what that looks like in media or in entertainment, arts and entertainment. But hallelujah. Just get filled with the Spirit and He'll teach you. He'll lead you into all truth. He'll teach you what the anointing looks like in business. Now some of you are in business and you might feel like, your anointing can only be used within the church, and that's not true. There are people that get an anointing for business. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, and, and um, someone wrote me an interesting email this past week, and they asked me, is the anointing only for Christians? Can non-Christians have the anointing? And um, that's a good question. That's a good question, because... When I see uh, Steve Jobs, man, that guy's got an anointing. I mean, the, the things he's done in the computer industry, man, you cannot tell me that that's just a product of one man thinking things through. Or he's the product of a man that surrounds himself with creative people. Man, he, he's got some kind of anointing, man. Anointing. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But one person, I think Lance Walnow said that when uh, God's people, they don't take up the anointing. To affect and influence and bless places like business or government. God starts to distribute that sometimes to, to non-Christians. And uh, you, you see them having enormous like success and favor. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll tell you when I find out. But I wouldn't be surprised if God does kind of... He can just give the anointing on anybody He wants. You know, like, if you really think about it, it, was, it wasn't for God. King Nebuchadnezzar would have never enjoyed the fame that he did. Uh, neither would have... Uh, um, King, um, who? Cyrus, or you know, all the all those kings, man. If it wasn't for the anointing that God had actually put upon them, well, I don't know if you call it anointing, but you, you know, they definitely got a touch of God to to rule the way they did. Even um, like Genghis Khan, man. If you study history, man, Genghis Khan did some crazy stuff. He united. Like, I heard he, he conquered more of the known world than the UK did at the peak of their history. And that's nothing, nothing on the, not, nothing on UK. I mean, UK, man, they used to say that the sun never, uh, the sun never sets on, on the United Kingdom because they're just all over the world. I mean, they're, they, they've taken over much of the known world. But Genghis Khan, at the peak of his history, yeah, I heard he had more uh, lands and nations occupied than even the UK had done. Um, you start to wonder, maybe, maybe these guys, you know, they, they have some kind of assistance from a divine source. Anyway, uh, I don't know why I started talking about that. But, you know, contending for the kingdom, I'm just saying it's not one-dimensional. It's not just like healings and miracles, although those are really awesome and cool. 
you know, there's anointings in business, anointings uh, to go into media, into dance, into uh, b-boys. Yeah, b-boys get anointing. You cannot twist your body and tell me you can spin like that and get up and not be dizzy unless you got an anointing on you. That's why I think. All right, Pastor Marcus will come out. I'll give you the announcements. Thank you for your patience as we uh, we're praying and ministering to people.